Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chance to meet together, even if it's uh, digitally only today. Uh, we just are so grateful for the ability to, to worship you together in spirit. Father, would you just please bless this time? Where whatever any and every of us are, are, are bringing today with us as we gather in this way, Lord, would you meet us where we are? And would you speak to us, please, through your word? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome everybody to Current. My name is David. God willing, this is our last digital only service that we're going to be doing, at least at least for a while. Uh, with, I mean, obviously we're doing this due to the, the forecast of rain, but God willing, come May 9th, we're switching over to not only outdoor worship gatherings, but also outdoor slash indoor gatherings, even as we do our best to, to follow code and keep things safe that way, as we also continue to do live stream. So wherever you're at, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, we of course hope that you would join us, but if you're not yet there, uh, ready to come back in person, continue to press into the online services as, as you have been. Today, we're continuing our series we're calling Reset which the idea behind it is as we begin to rephase back to normal, instead of just getting back to the things that we were getting at before, back into the grind or whatever the case may be, we wanna first hit the reset button and ask what ought to matter to us most right now. And what we've been saying is the most important thing probably here, and over and above accomplishing things, ought to be cultivating character. Because cultivating character is such an important thing. And so we've been looking at this wonderful list of character, character traits found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that the Bible famously calls the fruit of the Spirit, to look more in depth at, at some of these wonderful character traits that God wants to work in us, and is in fact working inside those who are followers of His. Last week, we looked at more in depth at the character trait of joy. Today, we're going to look more in depth at the character trait of peace. And just like joy, I think we could all do with a little bit more peace right now. I mean, just with all that's going on in the world, just as we process it, just try to get our minds around it, with all that's going on externally, we could do with more peace. And with all that's going on, like interpersonally or inside personally, I mean, internally, we could do with some more peace. So we're going to talk about peace today, God's peace. And what I think we'll find is we have an amazing peace available to us that I think far too often we don't realize or fully understand, let alone live from. So today we're going to consider God's peace and how we can receive it, how we can get it. So uh, let's look at our text today. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 31. Of course, the words will also be on your screen, so you can follow along that way. So John chapter 14, starting at verse 25, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus said to his followers. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly 
what my Father has commanded me. So what is this peace and how do we get it? First, what is this peace? Jesus said here, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. First, let's consider what Jesus' peace is not, what this promise was not. Jesus was not talking about political peace, for instance. If the peace Jesus promised here was meant to bring about the end of wars or the end of political turmoil and conflict, boy, was that a failure, right? All you have to do is open up your newsfeed right now and you'll just see out there that that kind of peace is not existent. Some of you know that I've studied politics at Cal, which was a really fun experience for me. I really enjoyed the process, but as much as I enjoyed it, found it fascinating, I also found it almost equal parts depressing, studying politics, just because there's this idea, it seems to me, that politics are essentially the world's solutions to the world's problems. And even the best politics out there, even the best policy or whatever we can do, is inherently flawed. I mean, sometimes we can pass great policy or push some wonderful initiatives only to find that at the end, it not only doesn't make things as, as good as we were hoping to, in some ways it can make things worse. Of course, we can make great gains and we ought to push for such great gains, but I mean, the reality is even with good intentions, we can find that there is a lot of lack of political peace out there. This is not the peace that Jesus came to bring, at least the first time around. Listen to how he put it in Luke chapter 21, verses nine through 11. He said, when you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Let me summarize that. He's saying things will get worse. <laughs> he said, understand things are going to get worse. But wait a minute. Isn't Jesus promising peace? So then how can things be heading in that direction? Is he contradicting himself? No, that's not what the, the promise of peace that Jesus was talking about, this political peace. That's not the promise. I mean, consider even our text here in John 14. This is Jesus talking to his close students, his 12 main disciples, right before he would go to the cross, literally within a few hours of being arrested, tried, and condemned to be crucified. His own followers would flee and abandon him. I mean, he was just getting ready to face just scary things, and his followers were getting ready to face scary things. And years after Jesus died and rose again, would face, and many followers today face, scary things. It's not political peace that Jesus promised. Nor was Jesus' promise of peace relational peace. This kind of peace that I think so much, so many of us want a peace between one another. If that was the peace Jesus was promising, again, what a failure. For instance, you could be married to the love of your life and find that you're often at odds with them, let alone with other people. Listen to how Jesus put it elsewhere in Luke chapter 12, verse 51. He said, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, you're saying, I'm not, I haven't come to bring peace. But in our text today, John 14, you have come to bring, bring peace. So what's, what's the deal? Well, Jesus was not talking about relational peace. In fact, when he says, when it comes to relational peace, he goes on in that Luke 12 chapter to say, in some, in, in some respects, on account of me or in, on account of putting your faith in me, people will be divided. Families will experience division. He said it this way, father will become against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. 
In other words, he's saying in certain respects, on account of me, on account of faith in me, there will be less peace, at least when it comes to relational type of peace. Think of it this way. Jesus calls his followers, very famously, to love their enemies. I mean, that's an interesting thought. How can you love your enemy if an enemy, by definition, means they're not at peace with you? Followers of Jesus are called to love their enemies. They're called, we're called to be peacemakers, peacekeepers, agents of justice. We're supposed to fight to make things better, be a part of God's plan to bring about renewal, not just in the end, but here and now. But in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, even if you're doing that well, which we're not often going to do because we're broken, we're fallen people. But even if we're doing that great, Jesus is saying it's still not going to come to relational peace in this life. People will still be at odds with you. In fact, if you're my follower, Jesus said, in some ways, in some respects, they're going to be especially at odds with you. Jesus was experiencing this as well in our account here in John chapter 15. He was getting ready to go to the cross, as I mentioned, and the catalyst for that happening would be one of his most intimate disciples betraying him. I mean, you can talk about lack of relational peace. That's about as bad as it comes. I can't think of anything worse than that, than betrayal. One of these guys that he'd been spending three years of just the most intimate time with would sell him out just for a few bucks. Such that, And not just any kind of betrayal, but betrayal unto death. I mean, Jesus did not come to bring political peace. That wasn't the promise nor to bring relational peace, at least the first time around. And then finally, nor did he promise to bring relative inner peace. You know, kind of peace on the inside, inner self-control. To be clear, that is a part of what God offers in his peace. I mean, Philippians 4 tells us of this wonderful promise that because of Jesus, we can have a, a peace that transcends all understanding, it says, that will guard our hearts and our minds. There it is. That's a relative inner peace. But that relative inner peace comes as a result of the peace Jesus is talking about in our text. It's something that's an implication of the peace that Jesus is promising. And this is really important for us to understand. Because I think for many, you know, including the average Christian, we can think of it this way. Provided I'm doing well, I'm following God, or I'm doing good things on, on a given day, then I'll experience peace, or I'm at peace. But if I mess up, or I'm not doing well, or I kind of miss the mark, then I'm, I'm not experiencing peace, at least as I ought to be. In other words, as, as long as I'm doing well enough, then God's favor will rest on me. I will have his peace. But that's not the peace Jesus is talking about here. Look at his words. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. If we think or in practice live, if as long as I do this right or accomplish this, or as long as I'm enough or I'm doing enough, then I'll receive peace, then I'll be at peace. That's not Jesus' peace. That's our peace, right? As long as I can do what I, I need to do to feel peace, then I'll be, then I'll be at peace. That's, that's our peace. That's your peace. That's my Jesus is saying, no, 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 my peace I give you. It's his peace. Okay, so the peace Jesus promises here is not political peace. It's not relational peace. And it's not merely relative or inner peace. So then, what is this peace that Jesus is promising here? What is Jesus' peace? In speaking to his disciples right before the cross, in verse 28, he goes on to say, you heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. 
for the Father is greater than I. Now we need to understand here that Jesus was speaking to some disciples and even though he had been teaching them along the way that none of this should have been confusing to them, they were still confused because they had in their minds that this peace that God was ultimately going to bring through Christ, through Messiah, was going to come about through different means. Jesus had been saying that's not the way it's going to go, but they just had in their minds that it was going to come about a certain way. And what way was that? Well, they were living as Jews under the oppressive rule of the Romans back then. I mean, we know world history. Rome had had conquered the Mediterranean world and then some and and subjugated all the people. And they were an oppressive group. Now, they did some wonderful things in terms of building uh, infrastructure and and highways and and all that sort of things. But no, the the Jews and many people groups were just itching to be like, to be uh, released from their thumb. They didn't want to be under that rule. And so in their minds, they thought that Messiah would come and ultimately turn the tide politically and bring about this peace that finally would be due to them. In fact, that's why you see all across the gospel accounts, uh, the, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, including in John, where there'd be times where his disciples, his immediate his close followers would say, Jesus, is this the time that you're going to establish your kingdom? Especially after the crowds were around him and and really responding well. And they were saying things like, this guy should be king. We should make him king. The disciples were like, are you going to at this time establish your kingdom? And Jesus said all along, no, you, you misunderstand. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. And you know what? Thank God that that's what it wasn't about. Why not? Because history tells us over and over and over again, when we replace one political regime with another, even a well-intentioned or a good regime, we're still going to have the issues and lack of peace politically, relationally, and all the rest of it that just continue down the, the length of time. Even the best of democratic societies fail to bring about ultimate peace. Because at the root of everything, political peace, relational peace, even inner peace, is not what we need. The problem ultimately is not out there, not among people, not even, not even just kind of wrestling through, kind of just, just to make ourselves have a, to be stabilized. The problem is ultimately the human heart. And this is the peace that Jesus came to give, an ultimate peace. Look again at verse uh, 27 when he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. That's saying even the world or society at large that tries hard when it's well-intentioned to try to bring about wonderful peace and can make some gains ultimately cannot deliver, let alone when it's not good, when things aren't going well. Jesus is saying, I came to bring a peace. I came to bring a help that's from outside that we desperately need. A help that no one in this world can offer. My peace, he said. In verse 28, he says, if you loved me, he was saying again to these disciples on the eve of going to the cross, if you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Jesus was going to the cross to bring peace. He was going to bring his father's peace. He was going to bring about God's peace. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 that say this, For he himself, of course, that is talking about Jesus, 
For Jesus is our peace and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He reconciled us to God through the cross by which he put to death our hostility. That's what the scriptures teach, that our greatest lack of peace is right here within our hearts. Because God created us to be in relationship with him, to be in a loving relationship with him. But we chose to live apart from him in his ways, to do things the way we wanted to do. That's what the Bible calls sin, which really at its root, we could say is self-centeredness. It's things like greed, hatred, discord, strife, pride, envy, lust, lack of patience, lack of giving benefit of the doubt. And we go on. And along with choosing ourselves and choosing ourselves over him and and even over others, we therefore have been separated from God and experience a lack of peace, a lack of connection, because that loss of connection has been to not only the peace of God, but to the God of peace. And this is why the problem isn't so much putting things right politically or relationally, even as, again, we're called to, as followers of his, be agents of renewal, be agents of justice, be agents of mercy. Even under the best circumstances, the underlying problem is not going to be solved by switching things politically or relationally even, but something that has to come from within. Jesus came to bring ultimate peace, that is, a restored relationship with God himself, with our Heavenly Father. Jesus goes on to say, toward the end of our text, verse 31, I do all this so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly uh, what my Father has commanded me. What did the Father and Son decide together to do? What did God the Son decide to obey in terms of following the Father through? But to die for the sins of the world on the cross, to take upon himself our punishment that we deserve. The punishment of being separated from him, a holy God, a good, fully righteous, fully just, fully merciful God. So many things that we are not. He went to the cross to die for us, to offer forgiveness and a restored relationship with him. In other words, an absolute peace. Not just an inner peace, but an absolute peace. So there's the peace that Jesus offers. Now, how do we get it? Jesus tells us in verse 29, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. There it is. We just need to believe it. We just need to receive it because remember, this peace is not the world's peace that Jesus offers. It's not your peace or my peace that we have to earn or somehow figure out and work ourselves into. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. It's not a peace you or I can earn. It's a peace that you and I can receive as a gift. Uh, One of the things many Christian pastors love to talk about is this free gift that Jesus offers. Because of what Jesus has done for us, there's this free gift that we can receive. And in some respects, that's true. But in other respects, it's not actually free. What do I mean by that? It's not free in the sense that it cost God everything. The the peace of God, this peace that Jesus said, I leave with you, I give you my peace, cost him everything. He left heaven itself, perfect and utter peace, to enter into our world completely lacking in peace. And then on the cross to go into the eye of the storm on our behalf, experiencing lack of peace 
toward a degree that we can't even fathom, such to give us peace, such to freely then offer that peace. It's not that this gift was free in the sense of it didn't cost anything. No, it cost God himself everything. But now because of what he has done, he freely offers it. My peace, I give you. And we can just receive it, believe in it. And we can become a follower of his and have a restored relationship with you. He said, if you loved me, you'd be glad that I went to the cross, that I'm going to the Father. You'd be glad that I'm going to the cross. Could you imagine being one of those disciples as he was getting ready to be crucified? to be glad that he was going to the cross. But that's what Jesus was saying, is to understand what it meant for him to go to the cross. They would have been glad that it was gonna happen. Why? Because there was no other way. It was this way for Jesus to bring about absolute peace, a peace that transcends all understanding and indeed it transcends into eternity. Jesus gave up perfect peace to give us absolute peace. So if you've never received this peace before, that is the free gift offered to you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. You can receive it today by believing on what Jesus did on the cross for you, receiving the forgiveness of sins, and that's a received relationship restored back with our Heavenly Father. You can do that even now, and we'd love to come alongside you and resource you or encourage you in the midst of that. And then to all who have received him, of course, the call here is to live from that peace. It seems to me we can all too easily, like the disciples, ground ourselves on something other than the absolute peace. We can look for ultimate grounding or security in a peace in things like the political peace or relational peace. The problem is when those things aren't going well, when they're not going well, we are only secure to the extent that they're going well. And again, we're called to be agents of righteousness and justice and to be God's conduit for bringing gospel renewal, to be peacekeepers, to be peacemakers. All of that is absolutely true. And yet political or relational peace is not what ultimately grounds us, but the peace of Jesus giving us a restored relationship with God. So therefore, we fight for those things. We really try to join God in his work of bringing about renewal here and now in, in relationship and in our society, but trusting fully and securing ourselves fully on his peace, what he's given to us. And I would just say too, just remember that all this takes time. I mean, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit as we considered the first week of our series. Fruit needing to ripen and, and bear so that it finally comes uh, to, to fruition. It's not just some magical pill that we swallow and all of a sudden we just live from. It takes time and that's okay. In fact, if you struggle with peace right now or living from that peace right now, you'd be joining some really good company. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus was saying these very words, including in verse 27, to his disciples right then and there, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. They could have really lived from that. And yet in a few hours time, they'd be running for their lives scared abandoning even their savior, even as he would receive them back. It takes time. And most of all, it's his peace that he gives. So I would say, if you're lacking in peace right now, this is a bit of a struggle for you. Ask the God of peace. Ask Jesus for the peace that he wants to give to you and me. In fact, as we close our time in prayer, let's go to him asking for this peace now. Father, there's a lot of a lack of peace out there right now. Uh, in, in the world, 
and its society piece, it, it seems is more lacking, if anything. And then for many of us, kind of more at the, the personal level, whether it's in our marriages or in relationship with roommates or with coworkers, there's a lot of lack of peace there too for many of us. And so, Father, we ask for, for your peace. Would you please give us your peace that transcends all understanding? A peace that you earned for us, secured through Jesus' death and resurrection from the cross. I want to pray especially for those who are feeling a, a special lack of peace right now. Would you, would you plant a seed of, of peace in their hearts, even right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that would, that would grow and grow into more and more peace? And would you help each and every one of us stand strong by your peace? But not only that, be able to offer the same wonderful, absolute peace, the peace of Jesus to those around us. We pray all this in his name. Amen.